All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an everyone and welcome to another episode of oh the horror i'm rob holmes and today i am joined once again by victoria hall hey victoria how you doing hey rob i'm great thanks how are you i'm i'm doing pretty well uh so today we are we're looking at the film terrified uh it is an uh, argentinian horror film that came out in 2018 i think Yep, I think 2017, maybe 2018. Um, But it's a supernatural horror, and supernatural horrors are my favorite horror subgenre. So I was really excited when you suggested this one. Yeah, and right before when we were talking, I was like, oh, so you liked it a lot, and you were like, hmm. (laughs) I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Um, I just have some questions and some... I mean, what I would consider suggestions for improvement, but you may have a very different view. So I think it'll be an interesting conversation. Yeah, this. All right. So this movie is written and directed by uh, Damien Rugna. Um, the plot line. It's his debut, right? This is his debut film, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah. Um I haven't really checked too far into that. Uh, yeah, I, I think double check, but I think it's his debut, um, and it's streaming on Shudder right now. If everybody, yeah, anybody. it's streaming on Shudder. So yeah, 2017. It's his. Um, no, he's he did another one called "You Don't Know Who You're Talking To," okay. which is a, also a, a feature as well. Okay. But he's done a lot of short films. Yeah, he's done a lot of short films, and then in 2016 he did You Don't Know Who You're Talking To, and in 2017, Terrified, and that's been, that's the last one he did was three mm. years ago, so. Mm. Mm. Uh, but he's working on a sequel now, I understand, for this film, is that right? That's what I heard. Uh, I, I think that's that's for Damien Leone for Terrifier. Oh, are you sure? Okay. I, no, actually, you know what, I think you're right. He is doing Terrified too, because there was talk about that as well. So that'll be interesting. Um, And I think it's needed because, as I said, I feel like Terrified 1 poses a lot of unanswered questions. And it will be interesting to see if he does produce a sequel if those questions get answered. I mean, in a nutshell, it's it's basically like a bunch of paranormal events happen in this neighborhood in Buenos Aires. And then basically three um, researchers go and investigate this neighborhood and shit goes down um right off the bat like this movie within four minutes is just just full balls to the wall crazy it is it is i i I I liked the opening i think um you know from the opening i had a lot of excitement i thought the film showed a lot of promise and i i legitimately was on the edge of my seat and was scared and was creepy and um you know started 
wondering why I had just decided to turn off the lights and watch this, you know, um, completely in the dark. But it's a strong op- it's a strong opening for sure. So we're sort of introduced to um, it's Juan, isn't it, and Clara, uh, who, as you said, are living in this neighbourhood um, in Buenos Aires, um, and and she starts um, hearing voices down the plug hole. Yeah, she's hearing. Um... She has the sink on and and she's draining it down. And once it drains down, she's hearing these voices and she tests it again. You hear, you know, the water on there. And as it goes down and goes down, you see an air bubble Mm. hit from something trying to speak. And she hears the voices again. And then it just kind of it kind of cuts from there quickly to to Juan coming in and her just having this like. She's she's scared. Mm. I just found that that opening scene, you know, the one thing I will say is it really reminded me of it and Beverly looking down into the plug yeah. hole and hearing noises and then the, the bubble of blood, you know, um, coming up. And I do think um, I have to say, I do think that um, Ragnar is quite influenced by it and Pet Cemetery, um, and even some things um, in The Shining. I think he's obviously a big Stephen King fan, um, and 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 we can talk about some of those elements a little bit later. But yeah, I thought um, his her husband comes in, and you can tell he doesn't he doesn't disbelieve her, but he doesn't entirely believe her either. And he and he sort of explains it away and says that it could be the next door neighbor, Walter, who's renovating and doing this that and the other next door and and, you know the pipes are old and the noises could be coming from next door (laughs) yeah he says um you know what did you hear and she says human voices and he says what did they say and she said they said they were going to kill me Mm. boom we hit the title card terrified Mm. we Mm. get this little like jolt of music and then it cuts right to them in bed and her waking up in the middle of the night uh, to go to the bathroom. Mm, mm. And so, you know, almost instantly um, he starts hearing this thudding through the wall and he uh, immediately assumes it's water once again doing renovations at all hours. And he starts yelling through the wall, you know, water, you know, it's too late or too early or whatever, Um you know, to be doing this. And so he bangs for a while and he gets more and more frustrated and pulls on his jammies and then goes next door, stands out the front of Walter's house and, you know, sort of (laughs) shouting obscenities and stuff. Um, And then goes back inside and and puts his ear against the wall and realises that the thudding's actually not coming from next door at all, that it's Mm -hmm. coming from his own house. And this this is like... This scene is the one that got me because mm. this hooked me right away. I was like, what the hell am I watching? Mm. He opens the door. Clara is in the bathtub, hovering above it, limp and being slammed into the wall and then slammed into the other side of the wall, just back and forth. And you see just blood Mm. smeared all over the tiles all over the all over the bathroom her face is battered and bruised like every oh. time you heard that banging was her face yeah, yeah. and her, her nose is broken like you say it literally is a bloodbath 
and she's there suspended um, in the air and being, like you said, slammed between walls by an invisible force. And this has been going on, you know, the whole time. And, yeah, yeah, it's really a shocking, shocking, gory, bloody scene and – terrifying and it and 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 yeah. i thought very strong very strong opening my one criticism is um i just didn't as soon as i saw the full sh- like as soon as i saw the full shot of her hovering i didn't like the cgi you know it i feel like the cgi is going to really work against this film um and is going to age this film and there's a few other parts in this film where i didn't like the C- use of cgi either um but those close-up shots of her face going into the walls and even, I think, some below the waist um, were really um, realistic and shocking. Uh, I just wish there had been a way they could have done that full-body scene more practically um, with some practical effects. Um, I don't know how they would have done that. Um, I'd better call Tom Savini and ask him. But, um, but yeah, I just the CGI took me out of the story, and, and that was um, a shame. Uh, I don't – like, for me, I didn't notice that it was – I noticed that it was a little jarring when she first slammed into the wall – but I didn't think it was CG. I thought it was a combination of practical with a little bit of digital manipulation in there or like maybe painting out wires. But it had this thing where it looked like and the reason I think it works in this point, because it, to me, it didn't seem so CG for the full shot um, is because when he goes to grab her and stop her. It's like there is an arm there. And so for that first shot, it's almost like something is holding her invisibly and like forcing her into the wall, which would be that original jolt Mm. that you would see. Mm. So when he's trying to stop her, it's like the thing starts bouncing her head off Mm. of the uh, um, bath, like the bathtub and the shower side, like it's a basketball violently. Like as he's trying to stop, it's like, all right, you're trying to stop me. I'm just going to hit harder. And then when he lets go, it's slamming the body back and Mm. forth now. So it's brutal. That's where I feel like it's so jarring and so like, what am I seeing Mm. that I didn't even, if there's CG in there, I didn't even notice it. And I've seen this like four or five times. It's just such a weird first moment that is just, just brutal horror right after. Mm, mm. Um, And for the record, I have only watched it the once. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I, Um, but four or five times you've closely inspected it, but, um, yeah, it's it is. It's a really brutal and shocking opening scene. Um, and uh, you know, uh, promptly one, of course, um, goes down for this. Uh, the police arrest him, and they put him in a mental facility, um, assuming that he he is the one that's done this to his poor wife Clara. So, um, very sad for him, as obviously he's yeah. devastated. Um, and then we sort of cut, don't we? Do we cut then? To so, Walter, yeah, it's, well, we go. So he's at the police there. I, I guess it's like it seemed like it was the police station because the double sided glass, like he had been convicted or whatever, but was brought out for or wherever he was at the facility. Um, so he had been found guilty. He had, you know, been convicted. All that stuff's already gone through. So it's been a while. This wasn't like the next day. Mm. Three investigators show up. 
and they they don't seem like cops. They seem more, even though one is a former, uh, they, there's a little more to it because they believe that he didn't kill his wife. Mm. And they ask about, uh, you know, do you know who these people are? And it's like, oh, Walter, um, because of the, the bang on the wall or whatever next door. And they're like, oh, Walter. And then there's a time jump. Now, the thing is, if you're watching this the first time, it's very confusing because there's time jumps that happen that are, are that aren't explained. You just have to like yeah. I mean, I don't piece think it's together, confusing. But, I don't uh, think it's some, like, some of it some of it can get that way a little I later. Think if you're used to watching films that are like non-linear, you know, yeah, um, yeah. I think it's fine. But yeah, it does. He he so he says he mentions his neighbor Walter. How he thought the noises were coming from Walter. And uh, the one of the paranormal investigators um, says his full name, and he's like, "Yes." And obviously, there's this recognition that um, she is familiar with him. And then, yeah, we jump back um, in time, and, and the story starts getting told now from Walter's perspective, um, yeah. which is really interesting. Yeah, we cut to we cut to Walter, who's at work. Looks like he hasn't slept in weeks. He mm. looks absolutely awful. Uh, he's on the phone talking with someone trying to set up an appointment uh with with a doctor but he's being they're being vague he's being vague he says he's gone to all these specialists and then finally they they recommended this person and they're all saying this is who you need to contact and she's like well if you don't have any evidence or whatever we can't really go any further with this mm. or and he's he's just like it's super vague they can't take his case at this point Mm. And we're like, yeah, what she's is going booked on? out. She's booked out. So it's Mora, yeah. Mora, who is one of the paranormal investigators, um, who is obvious, yeah. whose services are obviously much sought after, and she simply can't fit him in, um, especially because, uh, yeah, they need evidence for her to sort of justify spending any time on it. And he's like, what, what evidence do you need? Um, and of course, he goes and buys a video camera. And well, this is before we actually. I, I think I skipped us ahead because. He ha- he goes home first and doesn't even have the camera until he calls back a second time saying it happened. Sorry, I I skipped us ahead a little yeah, bit. Cool. Um, um, but I love this guy's apartment. I mean, a house. It's like so retro, and I do think the cinematography and the set design is um, quite cool in this film. And you know, it's like these um, really sort of old style homes with you know um, dusty old furniture and beds. You know, with mattresses they are like a centimeter thick and springy, and so you know, it makes for a good um, spooky room. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, so he's he's lying in bed, isn't he? Yeah, he uh, he's moving his bed back to the wall right away. He checks under his bed. That's and right. There's nothing there, and so he's he's getting ready for bed because at this point we don't even know who this doctor he's calling is. No. Um, everything's so vague. So he he gets ready for bed. He he is brushing his teeth and everything, and he goes to sleep. And his bed starts moving while he's in his bed. And it's moving for a bit before he finally opens his eyes. And I, I bet, you know, this stuff's been happening for so long. Like, he's just, like, kind of used to it because he can kind of sleep. But then it hits so hard he wakes up. And um, he looks underneath and he doesn't see anything. And this is my f- this this was the moment that sold me. The first time I saw it, I had to go back multiple times because I was like, "What the f- did I just see?" 
because as he is after he's looked under the bed as the camera is panning up he you see this figure mm. start to pull itself down from underneath the bed mm. and then all of a sudden but you can see it for her like not even a, a frame or two mm. and then it goes up to to walter and then it pans back down and you see the reveal yes, of the creature. Right. So you yeah. get that first reveal where you're like, what the hell? And then you get the full one. And it's this folded man. It's this mm. dude who's like folded over. Mm. So creepy. Mm. Like this thing, even if it is some sort of weird, you know, CG effect, whatever. The, the thing is, the thing is disturbing looking and extremely jarring, especially in its movements. And I think I have to say the same thing again. I agree with you. It is disturbing and the whole concept of a, a, a being being folded over on itself is really a disturbing image. But again, it was the CG. It just ruined the moment for me. Um, it was visibly CG and, um, and therefore not real and therefore not scary to me. <laughs> See, I, I, think, I think like... To me, I don't think it was full CG. I think it's manipulation through, like, After Effects or whatever. And basically, like, I could say the same thing about Lights Out, the short. Mm -hmm. Because everyone thinks that's practical effects, and it's not. It's After Effects and Photoshop manipulation. So, uh, for that final reveal. I think this was in that same way. And I think that this has a certain look to it that's almost comic book Ask the more you get into it and the more I watch it I get that feeling for mm. it so the style of CG at a few moments I I'm not okay there's one of the major reveal of the of the dude um, later on in the film of the folded man is is a problem I'm like mm. oh this is an issue and it's hard you know like everyone yeah. knows practical effects and makeup cost so much more and are so much more time consuming um, than using computer graphics. So if you have a small budget or you have a short time to, you know, produce a film, obviously, you know, you're not going to have that luxury. So I don't know what budget this was, um, you know, shot on, on, but, you know, I imagine it wouldn't have been a very big budget. So I definitely am forgiving in that sense. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a little more forgiving in it just for the fact that the movie in itself is it 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 does what it says. Terrified. It's a good. It's a solid horror film. I don't know how they did that effect. I do think it's a mix of practical and digital stuff. Yeah, it's a little too much sometimes, but like everything else, I feel like works really well in this. Everything else. I mean, because there's some really weird stuff that we get into Yeah. because people don't listen to reason and they just <laughs> keep doing dumb shit. Um, oh, that's some really dumb shit. Um. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, first off, the fact that Walter is still in his place and hasn't left yet. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would be out of there. I would be out of there what is compelling him to stay i have no idea well does and he, that's that does he think i have no idea though? like is it the fact that he is unsure that if it's the house that's haunted or is it him that's haunted slash crazy you know and and that becomes a thing later i think in the closing oh, it very as much well. does yeah so it really I, does 
uh, is an interesting question to pose, but nonetheless, he does stay. And yeah. Um, and then, like you said, there's a second call to Mora and then he buys the well, camcorder. Well, I mean, it's so weird because that first time it happens, like the lights go out, it's pulled the lights out. He plugs the lights in. You mm-hmm. see this thing like scurry away. The lights go out again. He pulls the blanket over his head. Like a little child to the fourth thing. Like that's going to protect him. Yeah, shivering under the blanket. And I'm Mm. like, what are you going to do? And the thing is right above him and the hand is right there. And then it just cuts to morning. The blanket's not on him anymore. He is very much alive, but his room has been destroyed. Mm. It has been completely just everything's been like torn apart. And now he's on the phone again and he's really pushing like we I need to talk to her. And that's where we get the we find out that it's Dr. Albrecht. We get the name in there finally. And she needs proof or she won't come out there. And he's like, fine, I'm going to go get some proof. Mm -hmm. So he goes, as you said, yeah, he buys the camera. We see Juan walking around out there. So that confirms that this is, you know, definitely a flashback Mm -hmm. time. And now we know what the construction is. It's this thing that he has to deal with every single night. Yeah. Crazy. Um, So, yeah, he sets up the camera to get proof. He falls asleep and wakes up to the camera knocked over. And you can see this weird shadow. And you can kind of see the thing, but then it's gone. Like, Mm. it's there, but not there. So the first thing he does is go to review this footage. <laughs> well, he's still in there, you know, <laughs> it's like maybe leave first, but <laughs> no. He sees that there is a tall, naked man watching him sleep. And he's kind of freaked out by this. And as he's scanning through the footage, he then sees this dude walk into the wardrobe. Mm. And it cuts to a front shot of Walter looking in the camera. And what's behind him? The wardrobe. (laughs) He goes and grabs a gun. And I'm like, all right, dude, you got a weapon. Probably won't work, but whatever, man. Um, The camera dies. The lights get weird. He opens it. There's nothing there. He pushes everything aside. We see there's nothing in there. Yep. Yep. It's like a horrific the line, the witch in the wardrobe, isn't it? And, um, and so he closes, he closes the, the wardrobe doors and then, um, you know, of course, moments later, this thing comes through the doors and it's, yeah, it's this tall man. It's, um, he's, how would you describe him? How would you describe this thing? It's, it's like a bald, tall human, hairless, yeah. gray sort of skin. Um, it's, it's like looks- an elongated man. Yeah, kind of. it, it looks like a corpse, quite corpse-like. Yeah, it's, it's like got yeah. dark sort of shadows for eyes. It's it's not something you would want creeping out of your wardrobe, that's for sure. But um, and what happens then? So it comes up behind him and then does it just cut away? I can't remember. Yeah, so like that's where it seems it, it, co- it goes right behind him. He turns and he sees it and we think that that that's it. Okay, I guess he's dead. Like that's that's yeah. where I'm at mentally. And we cut to an outside shot by a water spigot. And there's a kid just outside oh, just playing. Yeah. 
and he uh, and he walks up to the water and he drinks the water from the spigot from that faucet. Yeah, it's his garden. Um, yeah, and he's, he's sipping from it. He's been playing soccer, and he's sipping sipping this water. And sort of water peeks through the blinds and says, um, "You know, get away, kid! Don't drink that water." So straight away you're thinking, "Oh, there's something in the water," um, and the kid scared runs off and it's this horrible moment uh he runs into the street into the road back towards his friend and he's hit instantly by an uh, an oncoming truck or or car or something and by, uh, i think by like a bus or something yeah, bus, yeah yeah and uh yeah he's just splattered um this kid across the road while his little buddy watch watches on and again this is where i start to feel like it's very um derivative of pet cemetery and gauge getting hit by the truck um and um, although i think with less heart to be honest and so we then sort of see the mother don't we walking down the mother of this dead child sort well of- it, before we even get to that the thing that really is so fucked up at this moment is you have his buddy staring at what has happened because we see uh, we see this kid face down and we see a pool of blood and it's from this low angle. People are freaking out. Juan is, is like freaking out um, and calls for Alicia, who is the, the mother, to come out. Yeah, who later and- is the lady that's been slammed around the bathroom. Yeah. No, 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 not oh. his wife. Alicia is the mother of the little kid because oh. they lived right by each other. Yes, so he's yes. okay. calling for the mother to come out. But doesn't and Clara come out as well? I feel like Clara. Clara, Clara I think does come out as okay. well. Okay. I think Clara comes out as well. Um, and then you have uh, well, the whole neighborhoods come out. Well, but the this, kid, yeah. it's that kid. And this is the fucked up moment. It's like he's walking up to the body in shock, and he's getting closer and closer to his friend who is just bleeding out and just been smashed to pieces on the pavement. And no one is going up to this kid to cover his eyes. This is mm. just happening. Everyone I else is that freaked too. out. That's, that is exactly what ran through my mind. Too. I'm like, somebody think uh-huh. about this little kid and get him away from this scene. But they're not. They're all just sort of stood around gasping and for themselves or running off to – get help and yes no one's looking out for this little kid and protecting this child from this horrific scene um but that's not that's not the worst he'll see so (laughs) no not even close um because then we we cut to after the funeral and this guy we're introduced to this character jano and he ends up getting a call from, uh, let's see, I think it's Captain Funis. Yes, or, yes. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so Detective Funis, who wants to meet with him. And we end up cutting to uh, the house where the boy had um, died. His mom is, is in the house. Um, she's boiling water. And she hears a noise. So she walks through this house and she sees muddy footprints. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, there's muddy foot. There's muddy footprints on the um, veranda, which yeah. again, I'm just going to say, totally lifted from Pet Cemetery when Gage comes back. But this time, the footprints aren't just on the veranda; they're going all up the walls of the house as well. Like he has, or something has been 
stepping up the side of the walls of the house, um, which was disturbing. Yeah, I think like this is where I see it as different from Pet Cemetery because we're not dealing with lots of stuff comes back to, to life. Lots of stuff does money footprints. Um, even before Pet Cemetery, I think Tales from I don't know. Wait, um, yeah, the old Tales from the Crypt comics, like the e, the uh, uh, EC comics back in the day, did some of those. Vault of Horror did some of the like, where it's like the traditional money footprints. In this case. This kid coming back, he's not gauged. He's not talking. He's not moving in the same way. He doesn't look like he's a living boy. This, this, this is a very dead kid who has been, he's gone through, you know, embalming and when all that type of stuff. He's very dead. And it is very creepy because they come to the house and he is standing. This is at the dining room table, you know. The mother yeah. walks in and he's there at the dining room table. And he's, and I don't know if she's given this to him or not, but he's eating a bowl of cereal and has a glass of milk. Or oh, he's not eating, it's sort of positioned in front of him. And yes, yep. he's, he's green, he's mouldy, he's seriously decomposing. And I have to say, you know, for all the CG that I, I that I don't like in this film, um, there are a couple of really close-up shots of this boy that I think is really great uh, practical effects and makeup. Um, like his eyelid is sort of stuck down and his lashes, like it's disgusting. And, and uh, yeah, he, he's, he's sat there like um, posed in a fashion. It looks like he's just enjoying his Sunday breakfast. And <laughs> yeah, so obviously like, um, no, somehow, yeah, this this dead kid's turned up and the mother apparently is saying that she saw him move. Um, and the police officers who arrived on the scene when she called them are also saying that they swear this kid, they saw this dead kid move. So um, Detective Funes or Funes comes in um, and there's already one of the paranormal investigators um, who, what's his name? I forget. Is it Jano? Uh, Jano. Yeah, because um, he's the one who he called to come in. So they're there. The thing that's really weird about Jano is he's immediately trying to cover this up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's terrible because he, they're, they're like saying, you know, tell the mother, we'll, we'll have to maybe get the mother institutionalized or something, or, or just tell her that it's a hallucination, that bodies, you know, that, that basically he's like, you know, she'll get accused of digging him up. And, um, yeah, sometimes, but how do we explain the body moving? Oh, well, you know, decomposing bodies emit gases that make them move. And so they start hatching this plan, which is basically to say that, yeah, she's crazy. And, um, and, and it's, 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 I thought that to me was a missed opportunity because I found that a really potentially interesting angle. Um, you don't really see much from her point of view, um, from Alicia's point of view. And I felt that some, that is something that could have been developed a lot further. This whole, is she crazy? Isn't she crazy? Did it move? Mm. Didn't it? But they sort of, yeah, just sort of say, um, that's how we're going to explain this away. And you have to get this body and you have to rebury it and um, pour cement over the top of his grave to stop him from coming out again. Um, and all the while they're having this conversation in front of the corpse. Um, 
which <laughs> yeah it's like the corpse he's checked it already and he's seen that the hands are torn up like it's tried clawing out for days mm. um and we know that the the woman is is Funis, uh is Funis's ex mm. like that's his ex who he was with her for years because they were dating for a very, very long time. And I guess and, only recently had broken up. And this is the thing that really bothers me um, is that, you know, if you're dating a woman with a kid, inevitably you are going to get to know that kid. And Detective Funes just seems undisturbed and unmoved by this dead child um, returning from the grave. At first, until... They're sitting there and, you know, he's doing the test, the breath test, nothing happens. Then all of a sudden the glass of milk gets spilt over because the lights go out or whatever. And that's when they're like, they freak out for a moment. And that's when the cover up thing comes into play. The glass glass gets miraculously, mysteriously spilt off off camera um, by the corpse because um, the detective confides to the paranormal investigator that he had a nice little relationship with this kid's mum. And then that conversation is interrupted by the tipping of the glass Mm. and we cut back to, which posed a question to me. So is this corpse possessed by something else or is this corpse, in fact, um, does it have the child's spirit in it? Because if, if it's, it has to be the child because um, spirit has to be in it because otherwise why would, it, why would you know, some other entity care about this detective having a relationship with the mother? So only the child would care about something like that you know, and would prompt that reaction. Right. I think it's What's a combination. Yeah. So with the, with the water, right? He drinks the water, and we find that later on there's a talk where I think all um, Albrecht says that the water is a conduit for this demonic presence that is here, and that's what's spreading this stuff throughout the neighborhood. That's why it's everywhere, and it's bringing, it's doing all sorts of weird stuff because we get into like cracks in the wall that are opening up what looks like dimensional rifts and stuff like that with creepy green-eyed walter at one point that is he walter or not like there's there's some stuff that we get to that's just so um batshit crazy but it's all wrapped around the idea that it it's somehow the water has been infected by this this presence and that is <clears throat> when he drank that, then it kind of, I think, whatever demonic presence was, it bound with him. So when he died, basically he's still there, a little bit of himself, but that evil presence is now mixed in with him. Mm. And it's really interesting because um, Jano, the paranormal investigator, really goes close up to the corpse and says, you know, what is it, boy? what is it that you've come back to tell us? What do we need to know? And I thought, you know, oh, that was interesting. I started to get quite gripped then. Like maybe he doesn't have an entity in him. Maybe the boy has come back from the grave to warn. I I don't know. But I was like, but that doesn't get developed any further. Um, So I feel like there's another missed opportunity for a callback there later on in the film. Um, Yeah. But anyway, so they decide they're going to rebury this boy. Yep. And uh, so they, uh, car- Detective 
Funes carries uh, the body wrapped in a blanket or something, doesn't he? And well, actually, I think before that, we get introduced to Albrecht, right? They meet Albrecht because they don't know what to, he sees her outside of Walter's place and is like, hey, who are you? And then she's like, oh, I'm Dr. Albrecht. You know, I'm trying to find this this Walter. I keep hearing breathing coming out of this uh, call box, but, you know, no, no one's coming to the door. Um, and she's like, it's so weird that you're here. This is such a coincidence. But it seems like our cases might be interrelated. Can you come in here and see what's going on? And that's where we see the first time the handprints and footprints all over, not just the front of the house, but like the canopy. We've seen them down on like the, the front porch. No, I saw them on the wall even earlier on oh, in the film. Okay. You can I see them on the is, wall. I think that's where I saw them on the ceiling this time for the first right. time where it's like underneath, underneath where I'm like – Oh, this this kid went like <laughs> hardcore. Not just yeah, I remember on the yeah on the wall, um, and so basically, as they're talking about this, uh, Jano tells a story about when he was a detective back on the fort. There was a guy who was shot in the head fourteen times, and he had inspected this guy's skull for five hours. And then after five hours, it grabbed his arm and the dead body opened its eyes. And he just he yeah. just didn't know what that meant. But then he says it happened again mm. with a guy who had been dead for two days and the guy talked to him. Mm. And then he brought like the guy's son in there. But it was such a jarring experience. And it just it it just seemed so. It caused a lot of controversy because then she's like, oh, yeah, I read your book. Mm, yeah. And so you're like, oh, this dude's like kind of, I guess, disgraced in a way, just trying to like get his name back potentially. Mm. It's weird because on one hand, he seems to have this mindset about, you know, he's obviously written these books and he obviously has a lot of respect for Maura Albrecht, who's the other investigator, paranormal investigator. But then on the other hand, um, you know, so he's obviously got some interest in collecting evidence and putting these cases forward. But on the other hand, he's saying, cover it up. You know, it's best to turn a blind eye to these things. Because it can ruin, basically in the way that what happened with him bringing the guy's son into this and trying to convince him of that, even though he's not going to see it or anything, it, it dredges up a lot of terrible stuff and brings up that people don't want to deal with. And I think that's trying to explain the supernatural. She'll get put into a mental institution because people will think that she's insane, even though she's not. Um, and that that's kind of what they want to do to protect, but they're going about about it very haphazardly. And we also know that like um if Funes isn't in the best of health. Mm, he's got a Caligula film, Yeah, he like condition. Mm. Exactly. Like throughout the film you can see him getting many it's like mini heart attacks. Mm. This whole film until we get a big old one you know what yeah, I mean like yeah and he's, he's also due to retire isn't he he's also due to retire soon, yeah. from the force because of soon. the health stuff yeah mm. um and then like from this scene we end up cutting to the kid who saw his buddy get 
smeared all over the road, goes over behind the house because I guess it's just something they used to do. And he sees his dead buddy sitting at the mm-hmm. table and he, he says something and he knocks on the window because he can only see kind of the back of his head. I mean, if and I the- came home or if I was a detective and, you know, came upon a corpse sitting at a table, I think the first thing I'd do is to, like, lock the doors and draw the curtains. I mean, the fact that the curtains are open and the doors unlocked and this kid's climbed over the fence and has now opened the side door and is like, is that my friend? Is that my friend's dead body posed at the table? (laughs) I mean, hey, look, you know, he's... I mean, at this point, he knocks at the window. You see... The dead kid, you're like, oh, nothing's going to happen. Dead kid's head turns. He turns. He looks at his buddy. (laughs) And then you hear it cuts back. You hear, like, screaming. Uh, Everyone who's up front, like the detective and the the investigators, go into into the kitchen to see what's going on. And they see that the door's open and a backpack's been dropped. Um and that the kid, the dead kid is there, but mud is dripping from his shoes. Mm. And you're like, oh man. And the other kid's just gone. Mm. And they're, that's at that point, they're like, we got to get rid of the body. Um, we, we can't have this here. There's a risk. Obviously someone saw this because we have this backpack. So they're like, let's put him in the freezer. <laughs> Do they look to see if the, the other kid is filming from the other side of the fence? <laughs> No, they do not. No, they do not. No. You know, kids today, everybody's got an iPhone. So, yeah, there's this kid uh, filming the police officer and the paranormal investigator, Jano, um, dumping this kid's body wrapped in a blanket into, yeah, a large freezer, dumping a pot, pot plant on top just to make sure. And then suddenly you start hearing the, you know, the thudding. Yeah. Um, of the little hands inside the freezer, and it's horrible. And he's screaming. He suddenly, you know, this this inanimate um, corpse suddenly is in the freezer and is animated. Um, so yeah, it's a very creepy moment that then cuts back to the interrogation room with Juan, or you know, wherever he's at. Um, And that's where they say to him, look, the reason that we're here is we need to investigate your house and check for paranormal events. We, you know, we want to investigate the whole neighborhood. Um, and we're introduced to Dr. Rosentock, who is the, uh, an associate to Dr. Albrecht. Uh, he's from, I think he's from the United States. So there's a, there's a thing in here where language. Mm. He's, yeah. There's a language barrier where he is speaking, uh, Spanish, but he's having trouble with, um, certain words. So he's, he doesn't know how to say certain stuff. So you have, uh, Funes later kind of translating uh, a few things for him. Um, this dude is too curious for his own damn good. He gets playful. He gets playful at stuff, and then he pays dearly because he's just being an idiot. And that's that's what this is. It's curiosity, man. People get too curious mm. 
instead of being like, we should get the hell out of here, they're playing it so scientific-minded where it's like, well, we need to get as much research as possible. Mm, mm, that's right. And so, you know, we've got these three aging Ghostbusters who... <laughs> well, decide- it's like three aging wannabe <laughs> Ghostbusters. <laughs> who decide that each of them are going to spend a night in the different houses in this neighborhood where these happenings have occurred. Um, And so who goes to what house? Remind me, Rob. Uh, So Jano goes to Alicia's house where the boy uh, is. Uh, Dr. Albrecht is staying at Juan's and um, we have Rosentalk is going to stay at Walter's. Mm. Mm. Oh, man. (laughs) And And it just, this is such... When they're like, hey, we're going to split up and all have our own moments. I'm like, this is not going to go well for any of you. Never split up in a horror movie. Never split up. (laughs) Now you're dealing with three ghostly encounters that are all interconnected. But, Mm. I mean, they're each their own horrors that are happening. Yeah. Um, and we also find out that Funus has a hearing aid. I think mm-hmm. it's probably alluded to earlier, but we definitely see it as a big thing this time. Um, there's there's a weird call that comes into uh, Alicia's place, and Jano ends up like giving this call, this random caller all of this information she says it's this random caller i've been calling alicia for days i can't get hold of her um jenna says she's gone away you know for a while um but i can give you her forwarding telephone number and without asking the caller to identify themselves just hands the information over Mm -hmm. and then at the end of the call says oh well who is this and it's just like ringtone so um he then plays back messages from the voicemail machine and um, discovers it's the mother of the child who saw the the boy's dead body posed at the table. And she's been calling for days saying, my son's saying these things. He's filmed this, that, and the other, um, your ex-boyfriend, the police officer, and some other guy um, have you know, um, been messing around with your son's body and all of the rest of it. And, um, yeah. And so then he realizes that's who called and he's given a forwarding number to her. So you can pretty much make the assumption now that those two are talking and the mother is like, you know, probably thinking, what the hell have you done? So. Exactly. Uh, and then, like basically they've already gotten rid of the they've gotten rid of the body they buried the kid they had poured concrete back on him they've he's been taken care of by the time that everyone is having this you know where they're all staying at the houses so they've taken care of that um we end up in walter's place and they notice right away as they're going through the place is a wreck yeah and they go into the kitchen rosentock sees that all this silverware is magnetized onto the uh underside of a cupboard yeah underside of a cupboard yeah and they go through and at first he messes with it and jingles it back and forth and he's all cheery and it's like dude stop messing with stuff they go and they make their rounds he comes back he does it one more time (laughs) and then one and then the thing basically stabs a knife 
all the way up into his hand. His hand just basically is pushed through a mm. knife up into the top of the cabinet. And he's freaking out and he's screaming and they're about to pull the thing out. And he's like, stop. <laughs> he's like, do you hear that? <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you see the blood as it's about to drip down where this cabinet is be sucked mm. up into the cabinet. Something inside the inside the cupboard sucking on mm-hmm. his butt. So we now know this. We now know that whatever it is, you know, wants to suck the blood of humans. And, um, yeah, so um, they just sort of watch that for a moment, don't they? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then they get the knife out. Like, he's able to get it out of his hand. Basically, at this point, like he thinks it's a he thinks it's like a a nest. He call he calls Mora, doesn't he? And Albrecht and says, "I'm in the nest," because I think this yeah. is this house with the most activity. Walter's house, where the most activity seems to be happening. And so, yeah, he calls her and says, "I'm in the nest," and she's like, "Great, great." And they're sort of egging each other on, you know. Well, yes, we're going to get all the evidence we need and all of the rest of it. <clears throat> yeah, and basically at this point they're like, we got to clean up the blood and get out. Like that's the big thing is we just have to do that. Um, but I think have they found out yet that they can? Oh no, no, not that he says like you can see things at a certain angle. No, I think isn't that later? Maybe it's later. Maybe it's with the. Um, no, is that Mora? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so 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 at this point. They mention like stuff looks weird at certain mm. angles. Um, so it's back to this sort of bed thing in the opening scene with Walter. So you know, he when he was looking under the bed and couldn't see anything, and then sort of you come at it from a different angle, and uh, and suddenly like there's a pair of feet. So we discover that looking at things objects tables whatever from different angles you can see different things um so um look you know you might look straight on and see nothing and you might go to the side of the table and look underneath and then you're going to see yeah like a a, a being folded up over underneath your table and also more sort of talks about she there's this moment where um so funes has panicked he's like this isn't good for me my health is really bad he's having this sort of debate moment he wants to leave rosen rosen Tox sort of says, this is not a good place for you. Um, Identifying these health issues that he has, he's like, okay, you go. Um, So, you know, he does this little clean up with the blood and stuff, and then he wants to go. And he goes over to to Mora, where Mora is. Um, And that's Alicia's house, isn't it? No, Walter's house. Is it Alicia's house or Walter's house? No, it's Juan's house. No, Mora. Mora is at Juan and Clara's. Yeah, sorry, Juan and Claire's. So she's there. She seems to have more like scientific gadgetry set up. She's got pendulums and things that are moving around as entities seem to move around the room. And she, to me, seems the most knowledgeable of all and the most sort of held in the highest esteem of all of the paranormal detectives. And he Funes goes in and starts asking questions and um, he sees some weird things and she says to him, um, not everything that you see is real, you know, not everything that you see is real. Oh, oh, oh hold, wait, 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 we actually have to go back because this is, sorry, in the timeline, I think before that, 
this is the window scene with the figure where he goes next door and sees Jano inside of the cabinet. And that's where he runs next door to talk to her. And she goes, not everything is what it seems. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's where it's like, Oh shit. Yeah. At this point we we've, seeing that there's different dimensional things things are off like looking at a certain angle you'll see different you'll see the creature other ones you won't so when he's going in there to clean the blood he sees the creature at an angle and just books it out of there and tells him like yeah i I can't be in here we cut right away to he's talking to jano on the radio and jano's like hey um there's someone else in there by the window that's moving in there. And he's like, no, nah, there's no one else in here. Uh, nope, there's there's no one else. And then he's like, no, I can see you. And you see Jano kind of like looking through his window towards a Walter's house. And as he leans to one side, he sees the figure and then he pulls back and it's not there. He goes to the side. There's the figure in the window. He pulls back. It's not there. He goes to the side again. It's right in front of his window. Mm. And then we get a cutaway from there. Mm. And then we go uh, and we see basically the crack in the wall and everything that's going on over with a, uh, a over at, um, at Dr. Uh, Albrecht. Dr. Yeah. Albrecht. So Albrecht's using all these devices and stuff. And she's taking a look inside this giant crack that had been forming uh, over at at Juan and Clara's wall. And she has this little spinny device and it's being magnetized in certain directions. And she's getting results from that. And then we have Funis going next door over to... um, over to the uh, Alicia's place and where the boy was at and he goes in there and he sees that there's the glass is broken by the window and that there's some blood on the ground and he hears something coming from the cabinet cause he sees blood on the cabinet and it goes up to it. It's like a TV stand cabinet and he opens it and there's nothing inside. And he closes it and he hears that there's someone inside (laughs) and it sounds, he's like, he can hear someone or it's like a, yeah, it's like a bar or something. And he can't, he hears it. So he ends up pulling this thing away from the wall and then pulling the backing of it away just a little bit. And it's Jano Mm. and Jano has had his eyes just gone, like the glass shot into his eyes and they don't exist anymore. They're mm. just red orbs of yeah. <laughs> And this is a moment where you're like, what the hell is happening? He's dead and now his body is in this other place. And I'm like, this is this is going somewhere. This is going somewhere crazy. I'm I'm excited. All of a sudden we cut back to Albrecht and she's looking in the crack and she sees a dude with green eyes and she's like, Walter, Walter, is that you? Walter, come over here. And I'm like, you're crazy, Albrecht. Stop being so scientific and start thinking reasonably. And Funis shows up, right? Mm. And that's where we get into this idea where she, there's, there's all this tension happening. She's sitting right by this crack, turned towards him and He's well, there's a bit trying. of an ex- there's a bit of an exposition dump here, you know. Yes. Um, yes. Maura sort of talks about 
how they move between dimensions. It's like being inside the segments of an orange. Um, we know that they feed on blood. We know that from the previous scene um, back at the other house. Um, and um, obviously we also know that these things can travel through the water. Um, but here she says not everything she, – she tells Funis to calm down. She says not everything you see is real. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then she's just sat there, isn't she, in front of that big, big old crack. Yeah, and he, uh, he says, how do we stop it? And she goes, you don't, or something like that. And right then, giant, weird, elongated hand pulls out of the crack, it's like grabs an insect, her head. Isn't it? it's, yeah. yeah, and it just snaps her neck. Mm. And I'm like... Holy shit. And so is he because he immediately is like freaking out her. She falls. He is having a heart attack. Mm -hmm. Like at that moment, you were watching this man have a heart attack. And the thing is, it starts crawling out of the wall and moving towards him and getting closer and closer and you're watching him struggle but he can't do anything it's a tense moment like they really ratcheted that up and then we cut back to uh as it's crawling towards Phoenix, we cut back to rosentock then and we realize there's something in the house Mm. where there's like that moment that he has uh where he's he realizes that we cut back to Funus. he wakes up and sees the creature and then he sees uh, uh, Alicia outside, but she's covered in dirt. That's right. right. She comes in and she's covered in dirt on her face. And he's still like trying to recover and get up. Oh, from yeah. And she's like, what, she's like, what did you do? Obviously, now the neighbor has called her and yeah. um, told her what her son saw the police officer and, and the investigator do. And she she has returned. Yes, she's covered in dirt. And she says, um, like, what did you do? You you um you made me think you wanted me to think I was crazy and yeah. yeah. And so the fact that she's covered in dirt, obviously not a good sign. Um and he's like, yeah. I need help, I need help. I've had a heart attack. I need you to take me to a doctor. Yeah, and we cut to them walking outside. He's leading the way, and she's behind him. And she's like, I can't believe you made me do that, like, you know, and and saying all that. And he goes up to the car, and the boy is sitting in the back seat. (laughs) He's back. She goes, you thought, she's like, you put concrete and all this stuff over him and stuff. But But how did she get through the concrete, Rob? With a a (laughs) pickaxe. I, I mean, honestly, like if they had put that on there and it seemed like it was earlier that day, it may not have fully set by then, mm, you know, possible. either way. I don't know. I don't think she did it by herself, too. I think mm. maybe that other woman helped her. I mean, who knows? Because like with the way she is, if she's been drinking that tap water as well, I feel like there's something going on with it. You know, she got superhuman strength. I don't know. But anyway, so, yeah, he's, he's, she's like, get in the car, take you to a doctor. And he's like, I'm not getting in the car with that. So he's on his own again. Yeah, and then so he – oh, man, he gets into his car. And as he's struggling and stuff, you see the door to Juan's open up. 
and you see someone running towards his car and it's getting closer and closer and closer. And then you realize, uh, that it's, it's Dr. Albrecht with her broken in half body as she's running her and slamming. Sort of. Oh my God. Yeah. She's like, yeah, it's like she's broken in half and the head is hanging backwards and it's super creepy. And she comes out screaming about how he needs to help them and that they're being tortured. You've still got, and time. You've still got yeah. time being tortured. You've still got time to help us. So and then I'm just... like, is this Hellraiser? Like what is happening? <laughs> so it's, it, this is like an amalgamation of all good things, but I feel like told in such a creepy, brutal, demonic possession type story. But I don't um, think they ever, do they ever say the word? demonic because no I, I don't think they do i think they keep it very vague as to what these things are um they're like more like creatures do you know what i mean i don't, I don't I mean, know if it's an evil entity it's evil but is it it automatically de- goes to a demonic force because if it's doing what what it's doing in this case this is going beyond traveling between dimensions it has a different I don't know, meaning to me, perhaps, that it might not yeah, be a demon. I mean, it might be some other dimensional creature. I don't know. But anyway, the point is he shits himself, doesn't he? And he puts his foot down, right? And he speeds yeah. up. And so he's like, you know, like driving off really fast. And you're like, just slow the fuck down because you are going to kill yourself, like, in a car accident. And he drives, drives, drives. And then sort of, you know, a few minutes around the corner, just stops the car and pulls over for a smoke, you know? <laughs> yep. He's not like, this is, this is how hardcore he is. He just had a heart attack. And now what is he doing? He's having a cigarette. It reminds me of like, it reminds me of actually another show that I won't even say, cause it would be a spoiler for it that I, I saw. And I'm like, yep, yep. That sure, why not, man? If if you're if you're hard nosed like that, of course. <laughs> but he gets a call. He gets a call from a colleague at the police station who has um, from, on the radio who said that he's headed over to the neighborhood to check on him. And yeah. uh, the detective's like, he's like, I can't see your car. Where are you? He's like, get out of there now. Get out. And the guy's like, oh, I'm just gonna wander around. You know. He's like, mm. no. Yeah. This is an order. Get out and get out now. And so after a bit of persuasion, he's to leave. And then he sits there well, for a Well, he says he's first. He, he says before even that, he's gone over and he goes into um, Alicia's house. And he says he sees Jano. Mm, he's, this he says he's weird. Yeah. He's got weird yeah, he's like. He's like, he's in the back of this, but I can't. He, he, he can't get him out. He's like, you need to leave. And he's like. Okay. You think he does. Who knows, right? I don't know. We never find out, do we? I don't think. No. Never um, mm, possi- possibly something could be used in a sequel. Um, anyway, so uh, he sits there contemplating his next steps for a few minutes and uh, proceeds to head back to the neighborhood, a decision which just really pissed me off, you know, <laughs> because – I just don't know like he, what he was thinking. Anyway, he goes back and he goes back with a couple of, um, uh, you know, cans of gas with the intention to 
um, set the place alight. And there are two endings that really bother me in horror films, Rob. And the first is he woke up and it was all a dream. And the second is so he just torched the place. So <laughs> to me, they're like cop out. So, but anyway, he goes and he decides he's going to torch the place. And while he's spreading petrol all around Alicia's house, he comes across her body dangling she's hung um and uh, you know again i'm gonna say it again it's very pet cemetery you know with the mum hanging at the end um and uh yeah I, I i do wonder do you think she killed herself or do you think that the the corpse son who's now hiding in his bedroom did it i think she killed herself because it's in the same way that if her son is back from the dead and living then she thinks if she kills herself then maybe she can be in the same way like be with him Little corpse family nice yeah or or the spirit <laughs> ended up just like in the house ended up just killing her like you know it mm. it did what because now that other thing is over in the house the folding man I mean, he's actually all over the place. Like, mm. who knows? He's in he's in the one place because he sees the uh, uh, talk ends up seeing that thing. But we never find out really what has happened to Rosentalk right away. Because after he's seen this creature, it seems like he's been attacked and then it just kind of like goes away. But yeah, he, he basically, Funus has put all this, like he's just poured gas everywhere. Now he's gone in. We see... Uh, Alicia hanging in the background before he does. And so we see this body hanging there and then he walks to uh, the back bedroom door and he kind of opens it because that's where the boy was at or he sees it. And then all of a sudden the boy just appears right between the crack of the door and the door slams shut. And that moment of like recognition of kind of like I remember the relationship and all this stuff and, and having almost a heartful moment is just ripped away by this kid. (laughs) Barely, barely. Yeah. is just ripped away. And we go straight to him being like, fuck it, pouring gas everywhere. That's when he sees Alicia and he, he, he gets like, he kind of gets emotional with her and then has this like, no, I can't, it's going to kill me too if I end up like letting my guard down because he's seen what it's done to everyone else. So he, you know, pours the gas, he goes outside and, uh, he, he pulls out a match. And I, I love this moment. He ends up lighting this match and it goes out. And so you see him and he's lighting and he's shaking. And the second one goes out and I think he does a third one. Yeah. yeah, he looks up and he sees Jano missing his eyes like they've just been stabbed out next to him, blowing out the match. Mm. Yeah, that was great. A, yeah. It's so yeah. great because then you're like... From the different angle, yeah, because we couldn't see it initially. Yeah. Yeah, that was And then that he's was out of... I like it because he's out of the house, too. Mm. And he exists, and now he's part of the neighborhood because of all this stuff intersects underneath with the water, and it's a conduit, and it kind of makes it where... It can all travel in this one area mm. or with a person is like a vessel. It's well, like Night of the Demons because it's kind of like if you take something over the water, uh, yeah. like the lipstick, then you can take it out of like Hull House. Yeah. And that's kind of what happens with the closing scene, isn't it? Very much so because it basically he jumps back like uh, 
as, when he sees the blinded Jano, uh, Funes jumps back, pulls his gun out, and shoots the gas, which I don't know if that actually works. I think Mythbusters said it didn't. I don't know. <laughs> whatever, but it works in this case. Maybe it does work. Because I think they tried it with the Goonies. Because remember, he just mm-hmm. shoots the uh, Joe Pantoliano. I want to believe that. <laughs> you know what? Let's just say let's just say that it, it does. Mm-hmm. So he ignites everything, and we cut to the interrogation room uh, with Juan and a, a doctor, a cop, and a lawyer, people we have never seen before. Mm-hmm. And they're all kind of going through stuff, and it's October 3rd. It, they say it's been about a year since the incident. So, like, oh, okay, this yeah. is a huge time jump. And they say that uh, Funis was witnessed burning down the neighborhood, and that's the cop who's sitting next to them was the witness, and now Funis is a fugitive. Mm. And they're just talking, and then Juan just, like, looks up behind them, and he's like, hey, so uh, is that guy with you? <laughs> and they all sort and of turn around and look behind them, and, of course... There's no, nothing and no one there. And yeah, they're like, they show them the, you know, the pictures they've seen and they're like, wait, what do you see? And they're like, well, it's him. It's Rosentock, but he's all burnt. He doesn't look like this picture anymore. And then a chair moves. And then he's just like, he came with you. <laughs> he came with you. And then the chair flies at the screen, which is like the cheesy yes. rush at the camera ending. <laughs> but at the same there's a time, lot of, there's a lot of rushing at the camera in this film. There are. There is. I mean, that's that's like the film. And, and it's it's a short film. You know, it, it only runs like 19, an hour. Yeah. It's not even 90 minutes, I don't think. Is it 87 minutes or something? Which is great. Yeah. You know, I always appreciate a 90-minute film. Like, um, you know, I, so I thought, yes, um, nice and lean. Um, but, yeah, I I just feel like this – I didn't like the ending. I felt it was a non-ending. Um, I, I mean, obviously now we can see the monsters can travel beyond the neighbourhood. How, how if it's, if it's, you know – Traveling through bodies and water, how did it get into the mental facility where one is? I don't know. I can't explain that. Um, but overall, like I felt like this for me, this film had a lot of really promising moments, but I also felt there was just a lot of missed opportunities. And I feel like the screenplay needed to go through another couple of rounds of development, not editing, but development. Um, for me, just the um there was no emotion in this film for me whatsoever and and for me whatever genre film we're reviewing or talking about here there has to be a solid story and there has to be characters that I can really connect with and I just didn't I felt like the narrative was a bit like stringing together a bunch of images and influences without the foundation being there the strong story foundation it was like a bunch of ideas and images and influences um all sort of just cobbled together and and I think the lack of character development for me um was just the one thing I couldn't get past in this film. I really didn't care about any of the characters and I didn't really 
feel like I was reading the story from any one specific point of view. Yes, it was jumping around a lot. And I think at the end they tried to make it Funes's story or Funes's story, but um, it just didn't work for me. And I didn't feel like his connection to any of the other characters around him um, was sincere. And um, yeah, I, I don't, really like the rushing towards the camera I didn't really like the use of CGI I do think there were some great practical effects the makeup used in parts but I just felt these are things that could have been resolved by just putting it through a couple more sort of runs of development telling the story more from one perspective um, and also um, I think showing less of the monsters I think would have made it even more scarier for me I think less is more when it comes to the monsters sometimes. And I just felt they showed too much. They just showed too much. Yeah. I think, I think there's, there's a little bit that they showed a little too much of, I think it, the opening is so strong. First Great. half hour is just the first half hour is like, Oh my gosh, so much is happening. We're watching all these hauntings that are going on. But then by the time we hit the midpoint where they're doing the investigating, we have that little 15 minutes between the first half hour and them getting to there to do the investigation. And then we have, once they're there, it's kind of like they fall into these pitfalls right away. Now, having seen this a lot, <laughs> I think it works. Because this almost seems like it almost follows what would be the tropes of every paranormal investigation film, but they're doing everything wrong. They're, they're following this off of a scientific mindset and not off a logical mindset. And it's watching what happens when you have that, when you put people into that world, because you have Funis who is not, none of these are really likable characters and I don't think they're meant to be. I think they're meant to just be real people, but the, these detectives and these paranormal investigators, like obviously Albrecht, this guy's been going through hell and calling constantly or like calling to try and get through and has had all these issues calls multiple times. And then she shows up like weeks later or whatever, you know, that's, that's I felt ridiculous. Like she, I felt like she was a disappointment to me as a character because she was almost positioned from the outset um, as the most knowledgeable paranormal investigator. And she was, you know, hard – you know, like access to her was scarce. She was hard to access and hard to sort of get an appointment with. And so – to me, when she turned up, like, I was expecting big things and a lot of knowledge from her, and she just didn't deliver. Like, there was that sort of little miniature exposition dump in the middle, and I just was I, – I, she didn't even have a good death. I really wanted her to have well, it like a but, – but also – I love her running. I loved her running up to the car, like with her bent in half, yeah, like that. It was Look, all right. I can now. Now we're looking at it, it. It pays homage to a lot of stuff. And actually, you know, the more that I'm thinking about it, you know who they are. That paranormal investigating team. When you Tell think me. about it, they're the original poltergeist team. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because they do everything wrong. Like, yeah. they, they, they're like, oh, we're super investigators and we've been through all this stuff before. And once they realize how over their head that they're in, they're like, oh, 
oh no, we got into we got we've gone way over our head, but this time they've gone further by splitting up yeah. and going and being cocky. So we're almost seeing it from like what would be the worst way to do this? So do you and not just think they've seen anything like this before in their careers? You you no. don't right. I feel I feel like like when the guy when the guy saw the bodies and stuff that have come back to life, I think that's the most he's ever seen. I don't I mean he I don't think it's gone much further. He's had corpses talk to him, but I don't think he's ever had any sort of violent acts happen. And I think the same thing goes with her is that she's read more than she's seen. You know, she she can do the electromagnetic disturbances and talk about theory and things that she's done but i don't think any of them have ever been experienced yeah, or have, yeah, yeah. Or have experienced it it's that whole sort of theory versus experience thing isn't it um but i think the other thing that sort of bothered me was like if if this is fune's sort of story as it seems to be you know for sort of the last third half perhaps of the movie you know I think one of the most satisfying endings for me in a horror film is when you have a protagonist, an unlikely um, protagonist with the odds stacked against them, and they're going through a story where they are gathering information, they are gathering knowledge, they are gathering tools and resources that will help them defeat or at least attempt to defeat, anyway, the monster at the end. And I just don't feel that that character did that. Um, like, what did he learn in this? Nothing. Like, what information did he gather? Nothing. He. It was just like this sort of easy solution at the end. I'll just go and burn the place down. But I just didn't feel like it was very clever. I didn't feel like there were any callbacks to a lot of moments as well that were set up. I felt, um, you know, with a, a bunch of things like, like I said, the kid thing, like, what are you here to tell us? And there was just so yeah. many, I, I, there were moments where I thought there's going to be a callback to this later in the film. It just never no, happened. I, I, I think that was I think that was the point is that it's setting you up to think it's going somewhere where it's like, what are you here to tell us? And it's going to be some mystery about the kid and something that happened with a murder all these years ago. And it's like, nope, there's just this really awful, potentially demonic, other dimensional presence that's here that has infiltrated this place. These people think it's so they go into this so naive. And I think that's. After seeing it so many times, first time I saw it, I'll say this. I thought the opening scene, the opening death with, with Clara was amazing. That sold me. I was like, that was my first, like, what the fuck am I watching? This caught me off guard. Followed up by the weird creepy dude. Granted, I was so sold, and this is rare, that bad CG I forgave, and I never do. <laughs> I never do that. It's very, even, like, Inside, I love the movie Inside, but the, the CGI of that baby is really terrible. Mm. This, to me, is better than that, and I still love Inside. So, this, this is one of those that so much is unexpected that happens, and it takes the traditional ghost story... And it's it's not that it's telling you this anthology almost of all of these little things that are happening in this neighborhood of this neighborhood being haunted by this 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 
otherworldly, other dimensional presence. Yeah, and I liked that. I liked expanding the the typical haunted house to the haunted neighborhood. I thought that was great. But again, I still have to question how did that being at the end get into the mental facility when apparently they can only travel through like bodies or the water. Um, And I just, I I mean, I I think it was quite true to a lot of tropes. I didn't think it was very original at all. I felt like it was just rehashing a lot of stuff that had been done. The only original thing I felt it really brought, which I liked, was the whole when you look at things from a different angle. Now, that interested me, but that wasn't developed um, as far as it could have been developed. I thought that was really interesting and different. Um, But, yeah, I thought a lot of the rest of it was, honestly, I found it to be quite unoriginal. Um, I mean, okay, if you want to go off the looking at angles, looking at angles was brought about. I can tell you that the book and movie John Dies at the End talk about looking at stuff from different angles that you see different dimensional beings. It's all about how you look at things. Now, granted, I think the way that this goes together with movies that have come out over the years, this is different from a lot of them. You can say it picks up bits and pieces from everything, and it does. Like, I could say that about almost any movie is that it's taking from here, there, and the other. But there's no strong character carrying it through to the end, and there's no – the storytelling is not – it's just not there. So, so I'm treating this almost on the Argento way of things where um, Argento said the script got in the way a lot of the time. And in this case, I think it's less about being super clever about the dialogue and being super clever even about the reactions. I think it's putting people in that moment people who are way too scientific for their own good and aren't thinking and a guy who's just like what the hell is this i'm just trying to get through just being pulled into something that he doesn't believe but does believe like we don't know what the culture believes anyway because he even said that mothers go crazy and dig up their kids this is Mm. this happens in buenos aires like this was something that was going on Mm -hmm. so there there's there were little things mm-hmm. thrown in there and that's where i'm like you know i don't really know the culture as much so i'm mm-hmm. i'm going to say that i liked where this went by leaving stuff super vague like almost overly vague because it then gives you the opportunity to build a world from it down the road should you mm-hmm. choose to do so i think i i see what you're saying i totally see what you're saying but for me, I think um, people are just explaining away sloppy writing. That's my view on it. Uh, and um, and just poor character development. I feel like, okay, you was vague and um, that's fine, but you have to have a strong character. And it just wasn't there. I didn't connect with anyone at all in this film. Um, but I did hear that Del Toro... Um, maybe remaking this. So that interested me because I feel like perhaps with a stronger team of writers, um, it, it might narratively be better. Um, so that so that will be something that I will keep an eye out for. Um, and yeah, I would definitely I would watch the sequel just because I would like some of my questions answered. <laughs> Each time I've seen this movie, I like it more and more. So it's one of those where. 
Yeah, the first time I saw it, I was like, it's scary, but this is a weird story. I was like, this kind of goes nowhere. It's all over the place. I watched it again. And this time, I know what's going to happen. I know where the scares are at, but I'm kind of looking for more of this story. And I start realizing, like, that's where I really start noticing the background stuff, especially at Walter's place, about how disheveled it gets each time. Like, when you see what happens to him each night and it's like okay this thing isn't killing him but it's doing something like we're not sure exactly like what it's doing but it's watching him until there's that point where he gets aggressive with it where he pulls that gun which he hasn't done before so i think that sign of aggression definitely took it to that next level but then we have the kid like he's still alive but then we have the kid like getting hit and you're like what he was trying to save the kid from not drinking the water, but now the kid's part of this conduit, so that's part of it as well. Uh, and then he gets hit and brought in. Once, it, when I first saw it, I was just, I wasn't putting everything together because you're watching it for the first time. You're like, all right, I don't know what's going on or whatever. But each time I'm getting more and more and I'm putting all the threads together because I know where it's going. And I'm like, oh, oh. This is way more in depth. And then I'm starting to think about this detective and I'm like, you know what? Why would the relationship not work out? And it's like, well, because maybe he doesn't show emotions. Maybe he's too callous and, you know, he has his health issues as well. So he's got that. And then I'm realizing, like, I start to find more depth in the character each time I watch it because I'm finding extra layers. That's really what I'm getting at. Hmm. Well, I probably wouldn't bother watching it again to find out personally but I take your word for it that you know perhaps with subsequent watches it would get better I I do think like there's there is a lot to like I do think it build it builds tension very well in parts I, I want to give credit where it's due it builds tension really well in parts for me it just doesn't come to fruition and for me I just would have liked some of the unique themes that it brought in explored a little bit further and some extra character development, um, a little bit less CGI, a little bit um, more mystery around what these creatures are visually. Um, and uh, I think that for me would have made it a much more satisfying experience. But I totally respect that um, you have a different view on this. Um, and I think, you know, there are quite polarizing views um, um, across many of the horror publications as well. Some people love this film. Some people just don't really see what the hype is about. And I fall in the latter camp. <laughs> I mean, there's there's some I'm, I'm the same way because there are a few that I was like, no, nope, didn't like it at all but people are jumping at it and i'm like no the cg took me out of it because this was cg that went beyond like uh just made the devil take you i think oh i haven't seen that i'll have to look and, that up yeah it's the same director as uh the night comes for us which was awesome but this ended up being straight up indonesian horror hmm but there's some CG moments that take me out of the movie completely. And when I say bad CG, I'm, I'm saying it makes this look masterful. 
<laughs> maybe that's why we have such different perspectives because I haven't gone to that level. <laughs> I've seen so much bad stuff that like hmm. I think the issue that I run into with the CG in this film is that it's a little hyper glossed and it needs to be gritty dulled dulled mm. down a bit because when you see the folded man moving under the bed especially at the point he's moving at the camera and there's two of them pretty much you're like wait there's another one of you like what is this like this is something else entirely yeah. like we've gotten into a whole weird moment which i yeah. think the other folded man is walter potentially yes um and even though you see him with the green eyes later, who knows? Because everything's changing. People are turning into different stuff. And you even see that Walter figure when he comes out. He's not Walter. He's this other mm. creature thing. So, um, can I ask you, what do you think um, is, the cat, is the monster's motivation? What do you think it is they are trying to do? I think it's – I honestly think it's um, – a demonic presence coming through an extra dimension in the same way doom is basically they come from a dimension what dimension hell like that's <laughs> because they you know it's this interdimensional thing but they ended up getting to this hell dimension and this kind of has that feel of these hell spawn like creatures that don't operate because really what do they say right away is they these voices tell this woman within the first few minutes that they're going to kill her there's no reason they're just going to but they are feeding they are feeding off they of feed on blood. blood blood is the thing they blood is the sustenance they have to they feed on blood they're like parasitic in that way um but that's where i feel like they're they're like demonic creatures or vampiric creatures of some sort, um, which puts them in that evil demonic entity category. A deadite is still a demon. We just call it a deadite. You know what I mean? Semantics. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, and what do you think is the message of this film? Do you think there is a message? And if so, what is it? I think with this one, it's sometimes you just can't do anything like it's, it's hopelessness to a point because it's showing that not everything is going to go like your traditional movie. Granted, it does some of those super, the dumb studio, like shoot to the camera things like with the chair at the end, which I hate, but with a lot of it, like the shock of that first death is something that would never happen in a studio film. Even, even scream with that opening kill gave you more characterization. You didn't expect this woman who you're meeting right away, thinking that she might be a main character being haunted by this presence. <laughs> yeah. And then right away, yeah. you're getting this whole thing about this thumping on the wall. And it's this interesting story that's going mm -hmm. on. And you can, when I see that, I'm like, this is like a short story in itself, which yeah. makes this like an anthology. It's almost in the way that Trick or Treat celebrating. Yeah. This is doing this for a, uh, a haunted neighborhood, but not doing it in like a sugar-coated, candy-coated way where, oh, it's just messing with us, but we're going to get out just fine. It's like straight up right away going to kill people. So what's the takeaway? I mean, no one's safe, you know, it's like in this type of situation, this is what makes it a terrifying type film. And it sticks with that title of terrified. Why is it happening? We don't know. 
people can't escape from it. They're experiencing different things, but it's dealing with a lot of our innate fears of something being under the bed, hearing different noises mm. and stuff. Oh, they're, they're the universal floor. things that everybody has been scared about, you know, um, yeah. during their life. And I totally see why um, seeing that on screen would trigger some of those memories for people and some of those, especially like childhood fears that we all had of something being under our bed or something in the cabinet or hearing a noise, you know, um, I agree. Those are terrifying moments that we've all had. And, and I appreciate that he was sort of reminding grown adults of that feeling. And, and I, I as I said, yeah. it, it, he did, he did build tension very well, um, in parts of the movie. Um, but I just, yeah, I just wanted some more payoff. <laughs> I get where you're coming from, and I think, like, from a horror fan's perspective, that is something... I, I, I'm trying to look at this film as if, if someone is being introduced to horror and they are like, I want to be scared by something because nothing scares me. This is what I tell them to watch. I'm like, first I say, are you cool with subtitles? Yeah, and, well, that's the other thing. This film is in Spanish, um, yeah. which, you know, I, I watch a lot of foreign films and I'm, it doesn't bother me, but bloody hell, Shudder, there are so many typos in the subtitles oh my god can yeah. someone just fix that and just make it look a little bit less amateur <laughs> because that, that, that was really issue, annoying yeah. i was just like come on just a simple proofread please <laughs> yeah but I, I did find that to be a problem yeah but it's hard to um you know it's hard to assess it in terms of the performance sometimes you get to see how they're reacting on screen but um it's hard to assess the performance in terms of the delivery of dialogue when it's in a foreign language so you're really going on what you see visually and i thought you know um there were some sound performances i just don't think they were deep enough performances or from one particular point of view yeah, that's why I'm always more forgiving with foreign films because I'm I'm not hearing the actual dialogue. I'm reading the stuff, so I'm like, I don't know if this. Sometimes you can tell if it's a really good performance, but sometimes like I don't know if this is a really good performance or super stilted. So, yeah, sounds okay to me. Sounds yeah. natural, I guess, even if it's really bad amateur acting. So it. I automatically put yeah. it on a different level where I'm like, all right, that's out of the way. What do we focus on now? Yeah. Um, which yeah. is like that, that visual aspect. But this, this is the film that I like to, I would say to people, it's, it's like your starter horror film. Mm. If you want to scare the hell out of someone who says, oh, I don't get scared out of anything because they'll tell you this movie didn't scare me. Cool. 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 If they live alone or, you know, even if they live with someone, they're going to get creeped out when they hear noises at night. It's going to be a film that sticks with them long after they see it. So if they're like, man, this movie was dumb and I didn't like it. Okay. Do you have a very vivid imagination? Well, then this may play some tricks on you uh, because remember, some things aren't what they seem. <laughs> And that's why I like it. I think it's a film that grew on me over time, mm. that there was something that got me in the beginning that was just so damn good, even though I felt like it faltered, that maybe I'm trying to give it more than it deserves with its ending. But I also like, because it did just end, I was watching 
again, this movie's just straight up over. We don't really get much resolve on this third doctor, except we find out he's like this ghost at the end who followed them there, which I think he followed. I think he followed them either by someone when they were investigating drinking water there, like just getting a glass of water from the tap, which is totally feasible. Um, and the second part of that, I think, would be Juan. So he has the, he knows, he's like a connecting force. Between the two, yeah. Between the two. So whoever brought them there, then I think he sees them because he's, he's had the water before. He's seen some of these visions and stuff. So I think because he's dealt with traumatizing experiences, a la the Frighteners, now he can see the other side. Mm. So I mean, what really, was, it, it's, a, it's an amalgamation of, like, I can literally just pull every idea and just pick a movie and say it's this, this. But, yeah, it's... So if you were hired to, um, let's say, write the sequel, right? Yeah. Um, like, where would you go with a number two of this? Sort of what angle would you explore? I'd pick it up right where the first leaves. Basically, that um, chair moving. He, uh, Juan moves out of the way the thing shatters against the glass and we know that something's still going on it's a year later and this is where we would bring Juan back to the house because he's been in this institution for a year and I think he just wants answers right so you can do the the traditional like we're just we're going to bring him back to where it all began and we can have people during this time someone who's done some investigation on the neighborhood to figure out more of what this dimension is, because Albrecht obviously had some some colleagues that she worked with, other than these people. Because if they're you know if they're all dead, and or disappeared, whatever, then what um, about what about Funes though? Would he make a reappearance or not? I think maybe he could make a reappearance, but I don't think immediately. I think maybe that would be kind of like a mid reveal where you see him. But I almost feel like you can pull the moment of he just pops up for a second and you think he's going to be in the movie and you just kill him off, which is like pretty much a Hatchet 2 situation. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think they even do it again in Hatchet 3. But you see a character for a moment. You're like, hey, they're back. Oh, they're gone. And I love that. I think it, I think it can be really fun. I think they can play it up in a more horror angle for it. Uh, we could also see that maybe he's dead now and still like when they go back, they see him somewhere mm. and it turns out he disappeared, but he might not have made it out of there that night. He shot the thing, but remember he lit the one house. He had to burn up the others, right? Like, I don't yeah. know if you what happened? All, everything together. So yeah, who knows? Did the whole neighborhood get burnt down or not? Or is it going to get sort of flattened and rebuilt on with, I don't know, a new development? Um, you know, there's all sorts of. Yeah, I like I like the I like the idea that it taking place almost right after where it's it's going back yeah to the remains of stuff that's there, because when we do a new development, I feel like we're we're just basically then there's no plot development because we're just saying we're throwing in victims for a sequel um, because these people are now being haunted by something. And I'm like, well, we're just watching the first one again as they're getting so you haunted say, by So you say have things. it just sort of the, the remains of what was? 
because uh, we don't know which well, like which places were fully destroyed. You know, did they save some of the house? Like, how bad was you know was the damage for all of it? I think we could explore the remains. I think we could then take a look and be like, well, it's all connected through the water. What's down below? And we know the cracks the cracks in the house went to a different dimension, right? Water pipes, yeah. Yeah, that dimension could now be open fully. They've destroyed the base foundation and maybe that dimensional rift is still there and larger. So now we can start de- dealing with more of this other dimensional realm. That would be exciting. I mean, I would be yeah. um, interested in something like that. There's a lot that can go with it. I mean, it's that's why I think it works is because, and I've had a lot of time to think about it. I watched this movie over the past few years, so I see it going in a bunch of different directions, and that's almost where I like it more is because I've built up so much of this potential narrative and potential story structure in my head that I'm like, oh, this is fascinating, you know? Well, I really hope Damien Rugner, like, doesn't let you down. <laughs> Yeah, me too. That'd be... <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, so so that's one like and one not so like of well, this film. It's not a not so like, it's just not a love. I mean, I, I, I would yeah. I recommend it. Yes. Do I think there's better films out there right now? Yes. But um, I wouldn't say, oh, don't watch it at all. It's not worth 90 minutes. It is worth watching. I just don't um, absolutely love it. But um, I think, um, hey, that's horror. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And that's that's the thing. That's why that's why I podcast, too, because it's good. I want to hear other people's opinions and be able to talk about it and kind of like find out, oh, OK, well, that, that makes sense and share experiences. So. Yeah, Every, but no, yeah. no two no two people watch the same film, you know. Um, so, you know, it's just um, different yeah. perspectives, isn't it? But, no, I thought it was um, still a good one to watch. And uh, thank you for recommending it. And, yeah, yeah it was a really good to get your views on it because need some extra food for, food for thought. Thank you for, for being on the show again. I really appreciate it. So, yeah, actually, if you want to uh, give any of your social media information or stuff, if you want people to find you anywhere to promote yourself. Yeah, um, sure. Um, you can find me on Instagram, and my handle is at, at Victoria Hall Author. So you can find my work there, um, art, writing, that sort of thing. So, yeah, please follow. Yes, definitely follow follow her artwork's amazing um a lot of it's very like horror inspired with like a children's theme too it's it's very very cool it's very cool um so you guys need to check that out uh, also you can find me at holmes invasion and at oh the horror cast which social media things i don't know type it in and find out we'll we'll see but yeah that'll do it for us today on Oh The Horror. Uh, thank you, Victoria, for being on here again. Thanks for having me, Rob. It's been awesome. I've been Rob Holmes, and we'll see you next time. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Horror. Now, it is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. <laughs>